glad to connect with you all again this is preeti here for param and now you're going to hear the first chapter from the book the immortals of meduha and the title is he has come 1900 bc mansarovar lake at the foot of mount kailash tibet shiva gazed at the orange sky the clouds hovering above mansarovar had just parted to reveal the setting sun the brilliant giver of life was calling it a day once again shiva had seen a few sunrises in his 21 years but the sunset he tried never to miss the sunset on any other day shiva would have taken in the vista the sun and the immense lake against the magnificent backdrop of the himalayas stretching as far as the eye could see but not today he squatted and perched his lit muscular body on the narrow ledge extending over the lake the numerous battle scars on his skin gleamed in the shimmering reflected light of the waters shiva remembered well his carefree childhood days he had perfected the art of throwing pebbles that bounced off the surface of the lake he still held the record in his tribe for the highest number of bounces 17 on the normal day shiva would have smiled at the memory from a cheerful past that had been overwhelmed by the angst of the present but today he turned back towards his village without any hint of joy badra was alert to guarding the main entrance shiva gestured with his eyes badra turned back to find his two backup soldiers dozing against the fence he cursed and kicked them hard shiva turned back towards the lake god bless badra at least he takes some responsibility Shiva bowed the chillum made of yak bone to his lips and took in a deep drag any other day the marigwana would have spread its munificence dulling his troubled mind and letting him find some moments of solace but not today he looked left at the edge of the lake where the soldiers of the strange foreign visitor were kept under guard With the lake behind them and 20 of Shiva's own soldiers guarding them it was impossible for them to mount any surprise attack they let themselves be disarmed so easily they aren't like the bloodthirsty idiots in our land who are looking for any excuse to fight the foreigners word came flooding back to Shiva come to our land It lies beyond the great mountains others call it meluha i call it heaven it is the richest and most powerful empire in india indeed the richest and the most powerful in the whole world our government has an offer for immigrants you will be given fertile land and resources for farming today your tribe the gunas fight for survival in this rough arid land meluha offers you a lifestyle beyond your wildest dreams we ask for nothing in return just live in peace pay your taxes and follow the laws of the land shiva mused at that he would 
certainly not be the chief in this new land would i really miss that so much his tribe would have to live by the laws of the foreigners they would have to work every day for a living that's better than fighting every day just to stay alive shiva took another puff from his chillum as the smoke cleared he turned to stare at the hut in the center of his village right next to his own where the foreigner had been stationed he had been told that he could sleep there in comfort in fact shiva wanted to keep him hostage just in case we fight almost every month with the pakritis just so that our village can exist next to the holy lake they are getting stronger every year forming new alliances with new tribes we can beat the pakritis but not all the mountain tribes together by moving to meluha we can escape this pointless violence and maybe live a life of comfort what could possibly be wrong with that why shouldn't we take this deal it sounds so damn good shiva took one last drag from the chillum before banging it on the rock letting the ash slip out and rose quickly from his perch brushing a few specks of ash from his bare chest he wiped his hands on his tiger skin skirt rapidly striding to his village badra and his backup stood to attention as shiva passed the gate shiva frowned and gestured for badra to ease up why do he keep forgetting that he has been my closest friend since childhood my becoming the chief hasn't really changed anything he doesn't need to behave unnecessary servile in front of others the huts in shiva's village were luxurious compared to others in their land a grown man could actually stand up upright in them the shelter could withstand the harsh mountain winds for nearly 3 years before surrendering to the elements he flung the empty chillum into his hut as he strode to the hut where the visitor lay sleeping soundly either he doesn't realized he is a hostage or he genuinely believes that good behavior begets good behavior shiva remembered what his uncle also his guru used to say people do what their society rewards them to do if the society rewards trust people will be trusting meluha must be a trusting society if it teaches even its soldiers to expect the best in strangers Shiva scratched his shaggy beard as he stared hard at the visitor. He had said his name was Nandi. The Meluhan's massive proportions appeared even more enormous as he sprawled on the floor in his stupor, his immense belly jiggling with every breath. Despite being obese, his skin was taut and toned 
His childlike face looked even more innocent asleep with his mouth half open. Is this the man who will lead me to my destiny? Do I really have to destiny my uncle spoke of? Your destiny is much larger than these massive mountains. But to make it come true, you will have to cross these very same massive mountains. Do I deserve a good destiny? My people come first. Will they be happy in Meluha? Shiva continued to stare at the sleeping Nandi. Then he heard the sound of a conch shell. Pakrati's possessions screamed Shiva as he drew his sword. Nandi was up in an instant drawing a hidden sword from his fur coat kept to the side. He sprinted to the village gates. Following standard protocols, the women started rushing to the village center, carrying their children along. The men ran the other way, swords drawn. Badra, our soldiers at the lake, shouted Shiva as he reached the entrance. Badra relayed the orders and the Guna soldiers obeyed instantly. They were surprised to see the Meluhans draw weapons hidden in their coats and rush to the village. The Pakritis were upon them within moments. It was a well-planned ambush by the Pakritis. Dusk was usually a time when the Guna soldiers took time to thank their gods for a day without battle. The women did their chores by the lakeside. If there was a time of weakness for the formidable Gunas, a time when they weren't a fearsome martial clan, but just another mountain tribe trying to survive in a tough, hostile land, that was it. But the fate was against the Pakritis yet again. Thanks to the foreign presence, Shiva had ordered the Gunas to remain alert. Thus, they were forewarned and the Pakritis lost the element of surprise. The presence of the Meluhans was also decisive, turning the tide of the short, brutal battle in favour of the Gunas. The Pakritis had to retreat. Bloodied and scared, Shiva surveyed the damage at the end of the battle. Two Guna soldiers had succumbed to their injuries. They would be honoured as clan heroes. But even worse, the warning had come too late for at least 10 Guna women and children. Their mutilated body were found next to the lake. Their losses were high. Bastards! They kill women and children when they can't beat us? A livid Shiva called the entire tribe to the centre of the village. His mind was made. This land is fit for barbarians. We have fought pointless battles with no end in sight. You know my uncle tried to make peace, even offering access to the lake shore to the mountain tribes. But these scum mistook our desire for peace as weakness. We all know what followed. The Guna, despite being used to the brutality of regular battle, we shell-shocked by the viciousness of the attack on the women and children. I keep nothing secret from you. 
all of you know the invitation of the foreigners continued shiva pointing to nandi and the meluhans they fought shoulder to shoulder with us today they have earned my trust i want to go with them to meluha but this cannot be my decision alone you are our chief shiva said badra your decision is our decision that is the tradition not this time said shiva holding out his hand this will change our lives completely i believe the change will be for the better anything will be better than the pointlessness of the violence we faced daily i have told you what i want to do but the choice to go or not is yours let the guna speak this time i follow you the gunas were clear on their tradition but the respect for shiva was not just based on convention but also on his character he had led the gunas to their greatest military victories through his genius and sheer personal bravery they spoke in one voice your decision is our decision it had been 5 days since shiva has uprooted his tribe the caravan had camped in a nook at the base of one of the greatest valley dotting the route to meluha shiva had organized the camp in three concentric circles the yaks had been tied around the outermost circle to act as an alarm in case of any intruders the men were stationed in the intermediate ring to fight if there is there is a battle and the women and the children were in the innermost circle just around the fire expendable first defenders second and the most vulnerable at the inside shiva was prepared for the worst he believed that there would be an ambush it was only a matter of time the pakratis should have been delighted to have access to the prime lands as well as free occupation of the lake front but shiva knew that yakya the prakriti chief would not allow them to leave peacefully yakya would like nothing better than to become a legend by claiming that he had defeated shiva's gunas and won the land for the pakritis it was precisely this weird tribal logic that shiva detested in an atmosphere like this there was never any hope for peace shiva relished the call of battle reveled in its art but he also knew that ultimately the battles in the land were an exercise in futility he turned to an alert nandi sitting some distance away the 25 meluhan soldiers were seated in an arc around a second camp circle why did he pick the gunas to immigrate why not the pakratis shiva's thoughts were broken as he saw a shadow move in a distance he stared hard but everything was still sometimes the light played tricks in this part of the world shiva relaxed his tense and then he saw the shadow again to arms scream shiva the gunas and meluhans drew their weapon and took up battle positions as 
fifty prakritis charged in. The stupidity of rushing in without a thought hit them hard as they met with a wall of panicky animals. The yaks bucked and kicked uncontrollably, injuring many prakritis before they could even begin their skirmish. A few slipped through and weapons clashed. A young Pakriti, obviously a novice, charged at Shiva, swinging vividly. Shiva stepped back, avoiding the strike. He brought his sword back up in a smooth arc, inflicting a superficial cut on the Pakriti's chest. The young warrior cursed and swung back, opening his flank. That was all Shiva needed. He pushed his sword in brutally, cutting through the gut of his enemy. Almost instantly he pulled the blade out twisting it as he did it and left the pakriti to a slow painful death Shiva turned around to find a pakriti ready to strike a guna he jumped high and swung from the elevation slicing neatly through the pakriti's sword arm severing it Meanwhile Bhadra as adept at the art of battle as Shiva was fighting two pakriti simultaneously with a sword in each hand his hum did not seem to impede his movements as he transferred his weight easily striking the pakriti on his left on his throat leaving him to die slowly he swung with his right hand cutting across the face of the other soldier gouging his eye out As the soldier fell Badra brought his left sword down brutally ending the suffering quickly for his hapless enemy The battle at the Meluhan end of the camp was very different They were exceptionally well trained soldiers but they were not vicious They were following rules avoiding killing as far as possible Outnumbered and led poorly It was but a short while before the Pakritis were beaten. Almost half of them lay dead and the rest were on their knees begging for mercy. One of them was Yakya, his shoulder cut deep by Nandi, debilitating the movement of his sword arm. Bhadra stood behind the Pakriti chief, his sword raised high, ready to strike. Shiva quick and easy or slow and painful sir intervened nandi before shiva could speak shiva turned towards the meluhan this is wrong they are begging for mercy killing them is against the rules of war you don't know the pakritis said shiva they are brutal they will keep attacking us even if there is nothing to gain this has to end once and for all It's already ending. You are not going to live here anymore. You will soon be in Meluha. Shiva stood silent. Nandi continued. How you want to end this is up to you. More of the same or different? Bhadra looked at Shiva, waiting. You can show the Pakritis that you are better, said Nandi. Shiva turned towards the horizon seeing the massive mountains destiny chance of a better life he turned back to badra 
disarm them take all their provisions release them even if the pakritis are mad enough to go back to their village rearm and come back we would be long gone a shocked badra stared at shiva but immediately started implementing the order nandi gazed at shiva with hope there was but one thought that reverberated through the mind shiva has the heart he has the potential please let it be him i pray to you lord ram let it be him shiva walked back to the young soldier he had stabbed he lay writhing on the ground face contorted in pain as blood oozed slowly out of his guts for this first time in his life shiva felt pity for a pakriti he drew his sword and ended the young soldier's suffering after marching continuously for 4 weeks the caravan of invited immigrants crested the final mountain to reach the outskirts of srinagar the capital of the valley of kashmir nandi had talked excitedly about the glories of his perfect land shiva had prepared himself to see some incredible sights which he could not have imagined in his simple homeland but nothing could have permed him for the sheer spectacle of what certainly was paradise meluha the land of pure life the mighty jhelum river a roaring tigris in the mountains slowed down to the beat of a languorous cow as she entered the valley she carries the heavenly land of kashmir meandering her way into the immense dal lake further down she broke away from the lake continuing her journey to the sea the vast valley was covered by a lush green canvas of grass on it was painted the masterpiece that was kashmir rows upon rows of flowers arrayed all of god's colors their brilliance broken only by the soaring chinar trees offering a majestic yet warm kashmiri welcome the melodious singing of the birds calmed the exhausted ears of shiva's tribes accustomed only by the rude howling of icy mountain winds if this is the border province how perfect must the rest of the country be whispered shiva in awe the dal lake was the site of an ancient army camp of the meluhins upon the western banks of the lake by the side of the jhelum lay the frontier town that had grown beyond its simple encampments into the grand shrinagar literally the respected city shrinagar had been raised upon a massive platform of almost 100 hectares in size the platform built of earth towered almost 5 meters high on top of the platform were the city walls which was another 20 meters in height and 4 meters thick the simplicity and brilliance of the building an entire city on a platform astounded the gunas it was a strong protection against enemies who would have to fight up a fort wall which was essentially solid ground 
The platform served another vital purpose. It raised the ground level of the city, an extremely effective strategy against the recurrent floods in this land. Inside the fort walls, the lay was divided into blocks by roads laid out in a neat grid pattern. It had specially constructed market areas, temples, gardens, meeting halls, and everything else that would be required for a sophisticated urban living. All the houses looked like simple multi-storied block structures from the outside. The only way to differentiate a rich man's house was that his block would be bigger. In contrast to the extravagant natural landscape of Kashmir, the city of Srinagar itself was painted only in restrained grays, blues and whites. The entire city was a picture of cleanliness, order and soberity. Nearly 20,000 souls called Srinagar their home. Now, an additional 200 had just arrived from Mount Kailash. And their leader felt a lightness of being he hadn't experienced since the terrible days many years ago. I have escaped. I can make a new beginning. I can forget. The caravan travelled to the immigrant camp outside Srinagar. The camp had been built on a separate platform on the southern side of the city. Nandi led Shiva and his tribe to the foreigner's office, which was placed just outside the camp. Nandi requested Shiva to wait outside as he went into the office. He soon returned, accompanied by a young official. The official gave a practice smile and folded his hands in a formal namaste. Welcome to Meluha. I am Chitragad. I will be your orientation executive. Think of me as your single point of contact for all issues while you are here. I believe your leader's name is Shiva. Will he step up please? Shiva took a step forward. I am Shiva. Excellent, said Chitrangat. Would you be so kind as to follow me to the registration desk please? You will be registered as the caretaker of your tribe. Any communication that concerns them will go through you. Since you are the designated leader, the implementation of all directives within your tribe would be your responsibility. Nandi cut into Chitrangad's officious speech to tell Shiva, Sir, if you will just excuse me, I will go to the immigrant camp quarters and arrange the temporary living arrangements for your tribe. Shiva noticed that Chintragan's ever-beaming face had lost its smile for a fraction of a second as Nandi interrupted his flow. But he recovered quickly and the smile returned to his face once again. Shiva turned and looked at Nandi. Of course, you may. You don't need to take my permission. Nandi said Shiva but in return you have to promise me something my friend of course sir replied Nandi bowing slightly call me Shiva not sir grinned Shiva
I am your friend not your chief A surprised Nandi looked up bowed again and said Yes sir I mean yes Shiva Shiva turned back to Chitrangad whose smile for some reason appeared more genuine now he said Well Shiva if you will follow me to the registration desk we will complete the formalities quickly Okay as Shiva and Chitrangad are moving forward to complete the registration formalities I stop here because the chapters in this book are too long for a read and hear I'm planning to do it in two parts so here we come to the end of the first part of chapter 1 and we'll continue with the next part in the next episode this is preeti here for param signing off for today until we connect next Stay tuned and stay blessed. Thank you.